0: resolutions is to journal every single day and and I I, I hit the 7th of January and I was thinking to myself oh my goodness it's been a whole week of the year which like in the grand scheme of a year is not all that much it's you know one week out of 52 gives you um you know a little a little more than two percent a little less than two percent sorry and you're like that's not that much time but to me, on the seventh, it felt like New Year's Eve. New Year's Day was like a month was a month ago, and it's really funny how like the holidays kind of distort time. Like that's the kind of thing I was thinking about was how everything moves so slow and so fast when you're so busy. But once we hit back to our routine, you know, it had only been a week, but it felt like so much longer because of the holidays and because of getting back into our routine of. Of our lives. And so uh, I'm just curious, you know, has anyone else experienced that? I'm sure other people are starting to notice, oh my goodness, it's only, you know, the 10th, it's only the 10th of January. It feels like it's been so long, but at the same time, the 10th of January is almost a third of the way through the month. Like that's, it's really funny the way time works, right? Like it's when you pay attention to it, it feels like life is so long and it's so short and it just, it's all, it's all a big mess. It's really funny. Um, so for those of you that have, you know, actually read the title of the episode before you played it, uh, this week, the film we're going to be talking about is the tragedy of Macbeth. Um, I'd like to go ahead and like explain myself on the, on the clues that I posted on Instagram this week. Um, just to, just to clarify those for those of you that saw that and paid a little bit of attention. The first clue that I gave was for, it just said Denzel Washington, picture Denzel Washington. Um, Denzel Washington plays the lead and title character, Macbeth, in this film. So, um, if you'd have guessed it based on, you know, Denzel Washington, I'd have been completely amazed because the guy's been in, you know, so many films. So the first was Denzel Washington. Uh, the second clue I gave was the film Fargo. That one is a little bit trickier to kind of figure out why I, I picked it. Um, Fargo was a film directed by... Joel and Ethan Cohen. Uh, Joel Cohen directed uh, the tragedy of Macbeth, and also that film stars Frances McDormand, who also plays Lady Macbeth in this film, also stars her. So it kind of was a double whammy with the director and lead actor actress combo of Joel Cohen and Frances McDormand. And the clue that I posted last night is the 1957 film Throne of Blood. Um, this is. Probably the trickiest clue out of them all. Like if if you could, you know, this one's really kind of a pain in the neck if you don't know what you're talking about. Um, this film is a adaptation of the story Macbeth. It's one of those Akira Kurosawa films that I like, that is, you know, a samurai film that is adapted from Shakespeare. And that's the one for Macbeth. It's a film that I really liked. It almost made my top ten favorite films of the year, which is two episodes ago, if you haven't listened to that. So that, those are the three clues. You get the director, the two lead actors. You understand this is an adaptation of Macbeth. And so, put on all of those together and you get the tragedy of Macbeth. This film came out in December 2021 on Christmas Day, actually. I was 23 years old when this film was released. It currently has an 88 on Metacritic. Its average letterbox score is 3.9 stars out of 5. So, high-scoring film, critically regarded very very well um and i gotta say this is a movie that i was really 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 excited about seeing um it's probably been my most anticipated film for like in recent memory Uh, until since dune there's really not anything i've been really looking forward to except for this like this once i saw the first trailer for it i i knew that this was going to be something i was going to love and it's something i've I've been waiting a very long time to see. We usually go to our cheap little indie theater on Tuesday nights and uh, things came up during the week this week. So we didn't get to go see it on Tuesday and we had to wait till Saturday. So like I've been chomping at the bit to see this film. And let me tell you, this film delivered. I love this movie. Um, I'm just going to start with this. This is the kind of movie that feels like it was made for me. Um, and it's very rare that you come across something like that something that you feel like man this movie was made like if you could tailor make a movie is just made for me as an individual to like it this is that movie for me like this kind of movie is made to get me to buy a ticket and go see it in a theater um, for one thing it's, it's a black and white I, I love black and white movies uh, the new ones e- even more so because just cameras are better we're, we're better at developing and scanning film like all these things have just kind of come together in a way that uh you know black and white movies now just look better than they used to but i love black and white cinematography i think it's beautiful uh this film is a gorgeous movie it's something i'm going to cover a little bit later but like it's it's black and white it's produced by a24 um a24 as a studio in general um It's really funny. Like, it's kind of a hit or miss for me. Either I love the movies they make or they are totally weird and I just, I do not care for them at all. Like, it's, they kind of make movies on either end of that spectrum for me. Um, But A24 is at least going to get me to watch the trailer. something I'm at least going to be like, hey, this could be really, really good. Or it could be really weird and I may not see it. Who knows? But A24 is, you know, it's at least going to get me interested. Um, This is an adaptation of Shakespeare. And more than an adaptation, it is practically raw Shakespeare, something we're, again, going to talk about a little bit later. So between the black and white, A24, Shakespeare, and even you throw in, like, Joel Cohen, it's like, this is a movie made for Jesse Vaughn. This is a movie that is just going to get him super excited to go to the movies and to sit down and to watch a film. I'm like out of breath talking about that. I'm just, that's how excited I was. That's how much anticipation i had I'm, I'm like out of breath talking about it which you know that should just go to show how highly i think of this film so let's just like jump into it first thing like just very clearly if you were to go online and look up a trailer for this film the trailer doesn't give you much but um something you can tell right off the bat that this is a visually stunning film like i said it's black and white and i'm, I'm a huge sucker for black and white cinematography it's something that i I really like I talked about it in my uh, 10 favorite films of the year list was that I like black and white photography. Like when I shoot film in my cameras, I really prefer black and white film like it's I just love the way that it looks. And so just watching the trailer, you can see, oh, wow, this is a really pretty film. And let me tell you, it's it's probably the most visually gorgeous and visually satisfying film that I've maybe ever seen. Um, and I don't take that lightly. I've seen a lot of really great movies. I've seen a lot of really pretty movies. This one is special. Part of it's the black and white. It just kind of fits my personal aesthetic. It, it, it just fits the kind of things that I like, but also it just, it uses a lot of contrast. So there's a lot of really brights. There's a lot of really darks, which naturally lends itself well to black and white for you know obvious reasons, but they have a lot of really clean, crisp lines, a lot of high contrast. It's it's very stripped down and basic, and they let the contrast and the lights and the shadows really do a lot of the heavy lifting. So one of the things that if you if you watch this film, you realize that like the sets that they're they're working on that they're shooting on are not very detailed. They're very basic. And that is because I, I don't know. I think it was a creative decision that was made to kind of remind you of a stage show like if you're going to go see shakespeare performed as a play the the stages and the sets are, are not going to be you know super high quality They're not going to be horribly immersive because it's a play it's a stage they have to take this stuff on and off for different scenes and so they keep it very basic which you know lends itself to it reminds you of seeing a stage show and that's kind of cool but it also keeps you from being distracted So, like, it really kind of points you to the actors because you're not going to get distracted by, wow, how pretty that is or how immersive this is. You're going to be glued to the actors and the subject. Um, And that's really cool. And and then you let the black and white photography, the highlights, the shadows, all these things, it comes together to be a visually gorgeous film. i will probably go to share some stills on Instagram, just show you what this film looks like. I mean, it is. Gorgeous! It is so pretty. This film takes a lot of the original language from Shakespeare. It's I mean, it's practically just the entire play. Um, of course, it's been adapted a little bit by the screen. It's it's been changed a little bit, but it keeps you know, it it sounds like Shakespeare. So it can be a little hard to follow. Um, Sarah had a hard time following it a little bit, but if anything, you know, she at least she's like, yeah, it's a gorgeous movie. So even if you don't follow exactly every word that is said you can watch it and you're just like man that is a pretty movie it is just i cannot talk about how pretty that film is like it's just gorgeous it does so much for me i love that aspect of it um the performances were great i mean let's how can you talk about this film without talking about francis mcdormand and denzel washington i mean you're talking about two fantastic actors um denzel washington like he he needs no introduction. Like you know him by the sound of his voice. You know him. I mean, he's there's a reason he's been a leading man in Hollywood for so long. It's because he's fantastic at what he does. Oscar-winning actor um, Francis McDormand has won three Best Actress in a Leading Role Oscars. Um, she won one last year for Nomadland. So like clearly she's she's done work. And funny enough, she's married to Joel Cohen. So like that's kind of cool that. He continues to put her in his movies and you know, whatever. Fun little fact for that. But those those two actors played really well off of each other. They put on some electrifying performances. Um I, I don't think that they'll get nominated for Oscars. I just I don't think that this is the kind of film that will give you an actor nomination because it's it's Shakespeare. Like I don't I don't feel like it's gonna do that well. But I meant to get back to this with, with the visually gorgeous. Um, I really think that this film will get nominated for Best Cinematography because it's that good. Uh, it, it, I think it should also be nominated for Best Editing because the transitions in this film are great. Like It, it feels very snappy because of the way that they edit it. It, it feels like it keeps moving, but it doesn't feel rushed. So, like, that's important that you keep the thing moving, but you don't feel like it's moving too fast. But you also get the most out of every scene, and it dwells long enough for you to, like, really appreciate it, but it doesn't feel like it drags. Like, it's paced very well. It's edited very well. I think those are two things that, hopefully, crossing my fingers, we'll see during award season. Um, I'd I really appreciate that. This film deserves all of the love. Um the go back to performances. They're fantastic. Denzel Washington does an excellent job. Frances McDormand, in particular, plays the part of Lady Macbeth very well. Um, I'm not sure if I should spoil this, like, to say what the plot is about and, like, what happens, because on the one hand, like, this is a movie that just came out. Uh, On the other hand, Macbeth was written by Shakespeare, like, 400 years ago. Longer than that. Longer than 400 years ago. So, like clearly I shouldn't be spoiling anything that's this old. Like, I I don't know. Like I, I never read Macbeth in high school or in college. Uh, Part of that's because uh, my, my high school did not do a lot of reading small rural area. You know, Shakespeare's not really the thing, but at the same time I didn't read it in college either. And that's kind of because I was an engineering major. So not much Shakespeare is being discussed there either. Um, I'm kind of stalling because I'm I'm looking up when Macbeth was written. Oh, The the Tragedy of Macbeth in five acts by William Shakespeare, written sometime between 606 and 607. 607. 1606 and 1607. So we're talking, you know, 400 years ago. This is not a new film. It's not a new story. So I don't think I'm really spoiling anything by saying what happens. So uh, Lady Macbeth... I guess I should probably give you a brief rundown because I'd never heard the story. It should probably give you a little bit of bit of something. Taking a little long to get here, but here we are, anyways. <laughs> this is a story about a general in Scotland, you know, during medieval times, and this general receives a prophecy from three witches saying that someday he will become the king of Scotland. Uh, driven on by his wife, he decides to take the prophecy into his own hands and he kills the King of Scotland to become king himself. And then, of course, gets driven slightly into madness and eventually begins his own civil war as he becomes paranoid and a bit of a tyrant. That's the story. Frances McDormand plays the role of that wife that's going to be whispering in your ear saying, hey, you're not going to be king on your own. This isn't just going to happen. You should go kill the guy. Like She plays that role very well she's a fantastic actress. I don't know what, what more I need to really say about her, but, um, standout performance, I think was this guy, Alex Hassel. He plays Ross. Um, he's kind of like a herald for the, whoever the King is. So at first he's herald for King Duncan ends up being herald again for, for King Macbeth. Uh, he, he was very good. I really enjoyed his performance. I'd like to see more of him, more of his work. I liked, I liked what he did. Um, what's really neat about this film is that the delivery by the actors makes the film and the language easy to follow. So, like I said, this is mostly, you know, the King's English, like proper Shakespearean language. But, um, the actors deliver it in a way that is not like overly pompous. It's easy to follow. It's very earnest. Like it's, it's easy for, I I had a hard, I had a pretty easy time following what was happening, but, um, as we're about to get into. I kind of had pre-gamed for this. I was kind of ready for it, but either way, I thought it was easy to watch. It was pretty. It was well acted. You could follow the story. What more could you really ask for out of out of Shakespeare? Um, ultimately, uh, this is a five-star film in my book. This is a five-star, perfect, I can't think of a single thing wrong with this movie kind of a film. Um, this is like Coming up on like my all-time favorites list, like I'm I'm almost tempted to, to switch out my Letterboxd account to to have this film in my my top four because I loved it that much. I mean, so good. I'm 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 ready for this to come out on DVD so I can buy it and own it and have it on my shelf, ready to watch whenever I want. So, um, earlier in the week. Uh, Preparing for this, I watched the 2015 version of the film Macbeth, starring uh, Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard. Um, And so, like, I'd already seen one adaptation earlier this week, again, with the Shakespearean language, which helped me kind of like follow the tragedy of Macbeth. And um, while we're at it, I also watched this film Throne of Blood earlier last year, which ended up being one of my clues for the film going forward. Um, and I thought it'd be kind of cool to just compare and contrast the three versions of this Macbeth story. So Macbeth from 2015, um, was really good. I, I really enjoyed it. In fact, I enjoyed it so much. It made me nervous about seeing the tragedy of Macbeth. Cause I thought, man, if I enjoyed this one so much, what if, what if the tragedy of Macbeth isn't that good? Like what if this one ruins it for me? Like I, I really enjoyed it that much. Uh, it's it's a four-star film. I, I loved it. Uh, Michael Fassbender as Macbeth was great. I mean, he, he came off completely unhinged. Like, he did the paranoia thing really, really well. I mean, it's Michael Fassbender. Like, he was fantastic. Um, it was a slight adaptation. They changed some story elements, which, you know, is fine. The story is 400 years old. Like, we're allowed to take some artistic liberties because, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Um this film focused a lot more on the uh, the war aspects of it. Like it was much more violent. They they showed the battle sequences. They really like let it happen. And it was really cool. Like the, the, the sequences were all realistic, but I mean it it was definitely a more violent film. Like it's an R-rated film for violence. It's just kinda how it is, you know? Um What's neat about that one is that it shot on location. They shot it in Scotland, so they they have these beautiful shots of fog in the Scottish Highlands, and and that made it really fun to watch. I mean, it was really pretty also, um, and it, it keeps that original language, which was a lot of fun, something I really enjoyed. Um, Sarah and I were talking after seeing the tragedy of Macbeth on Saturday, and, and she was a little worn out by the story because we had watched Macbeth earlier the week, like didn't really follow it the first time, didn't really follow it the second time, mostly because she just wasn't interested in it. She went and saw it because I wanted to because she's the best wife ever, and that's just what, you know, she does. She's very good for me. Um, but something she noted, she said, she'd said, you know, why would I care to see a movie that I just saw earlier this week? And that got me thinking, and, like, the thing about Shakespeare is even though you've seen it once and you've already known the story, like, you don't go again to see, to see the story. You know that it's not going to change, but it's because different actors take different things out of each role and they bring different things to the performance. Like Denzel Washington and Michael Fassbender are very different actors. And because of that, they take a very different approach on the same character with the same script. And it was really neat to see that, like to compare and contrast the two actors. And it was the same for, you know, Francis McDormand and Marion Cotillard. It was really cool to see the way that each actor just decided to change things, how they approached the characters in the story. It was really fun to watch. Um, I really enjoyed that part of it. Like, if you're going to watch one, watch the other. Like, it helps you appreciate each one for their performance. And I, I think it's really cool. Um, Throne of Blood is a much looser adaptation. <sighs> so, like I said, it was uh, Akira Kurosawa. He's Japanese. And he adapts this to, like, a uh, you know a samurai movie. Uh, this was actually the first version of Macbeth I'd ever seen. Like I said, I never read it. I actually planned to here very soon i plan to read the actual shakespeare but this was my first introduction to the story i knew nothing about Macbeth, and so this was my first introduction to it it was really fun to watch um it was also visually gorgeous it's it's also a black and white it has a lot of shots with smoke and fog and 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 that shows up really nicely in black and white like you can get characters out there with this nice silhouette in the fog and it's just it's really cool really pretty um that movie has one of the coolest endings i have ever seen um they take the lead actor and they essentially like shoot arrows at him because it's like 1957 and they made movies differently back then like they had some on wires but i'm also i'm almost convinced that they had archers shooting arrows you know near this actor i mean it was fantastic it was really really cool one of my favorite endings to any movie i've ever seen um, i got to say though because it's a loose adaptation because it's a samurai movie if you didn't know it was macbeth uh, you wouldn't know that it was an adaptation like if you didn't know the story already you wouldn't catch it it's kind of like watching the lion king like if you just watch the lion king and you don't know anything about hamlet you would never make the connection between the two you're like oh this is its own unique story but once you've read hamlet you're like oh this is just hamlet but with lions that's kind of how this movie is like if you didn't know it you would never know that it was shakespeare partially because it's in japanese and with samurai but you know Still a really cool movie. I'd like really recommend checking it out. All three of these films are things that I really greatly enjoyed. Like, go check these out. If you can go see Tragedy of Macbeth in a theater, go see it. Like, it is worth the price of admission just to watch it and to look at it. And then if you can, like, catch Macbeth and Throne of Blood, those are both on HBO Max, actually. So, like, it's a lot to ask for an audience to watch so much Shakespeare, but. All three of those films are fantastic. They're really well made. They're really entertaining. Um, It's been a great part of my week to just sit back and watch these things. So go check those out. Form your own opinions. I'd like to hear what you think about them. So that's that's the movie talk. That's that part of the podcast is now over. Um, I'd like to share some other thoughts from my week. Um, First off, it's getting cold around here. Like I live in Missouri. I live in St. Louis. Um, it, it is like proper cold out now. And for the past couple of years in Missouri, that's just kind of been the weather pattern where it's been honestly like weirdly warm up through, you know, October, November, December. And we're like, why is it so warm? Like around Christmas, we were having days. It was like 65, 70 degrees in December. And we're like, what in the world is going on? But just over the past couple of years, it's been this way. Once we hit January, it's like, boom, it's cold. Welcome to winter, boy. Um, and so it's been like proper cold out. And, and I got to say, I really do like cold weather. Like, I'm one of those weird people that actually like kind of enjoys it in its own weird, sick way. But I'm the kind of person that also likes cold showers. So, you know, I'm a weirdo. Um, something I like about that cold weather is that it keeps you honest. Like, there's there's something about it that just it forces you to be... be diligent and to stay focused part of that is like driving in the cold with like ice and snow like you you got to stay on top of it like you don't just leave late for work because you've got to defrost the windshield of your car you got to wake up and prepare for it you have to dress consciously to prepare for the weather like i like that and honestly don't mind the cold like it's something i kind of enjoy now i've started running again this week this past week Part of that is because I need to. I haven't run since Ragnar, which was like, which was like three months ago, which is way, way, way too long. So my first run was miserable. I was really sore. I, I couldn't hardly breathe. Like it was, it was a mess. Um, my other runs last week much better. Not really sore afterwards. I pretty well knocked off all the rust. Things are exciting. I mean, we registered for Ragnar this past week, trying to run that at the end of May. It'll be exciting. So I'm getting back into this running thing and I really love running in the winter. I hate running in the summer. Even in early in the morning, it's 70 degrees. You're sweating profusely. It's, it's really uncomfortable. I don't like it. I really don't like it. Part of it is that I run on my lunch break at work because I have an hour and there's time, you know, showers. And, and when it's 98 degrees at noon in July, the last thing I want to go do is go run. It's just, it's hot. It's miserable. Like you come in, you take a cold shower, and and you're still just sweating. Once you get back in your work clothes, sitting in your office, like it's horrible, it's so miserable. But in the winter, you don't hardly sweat. It's comfortable. You can wear shorts and like a long sleeve t-shirt and gloves. Gloves are the key thing. If you got gloves, I can run in about as any cold weather you can you can put me in. I don't mind it. Um, one of the things I really love, it's like this weird feeling, is when you're when you run in the cold. There's like this like burn you get in your in your lungs that comes with that cold air. Like it doesn't hurt, but like there's this special feeling of breathing in that cold air that I just I kind of love. It just it makes me happy. It just it's like that test testosterone feeling you get from working out associated with that feeling. Like it just it feels good. I like it. Um, I'm really excited to continue to keep running in this cold weather while we still have it. It's really really awesome. I love this. I love this cold weather. Um, and I was thinking earlier, earlier in the month, this weird thought that kind of popped into my head. Um, this is where I get poetic and weird and deep. So bear with me. But, um, have you ever thought that like the coldness that we feel in winter is, is the coldness of outer space? Like, that sounds funny. But when you think about it, why, why does it get cold in the winter? Well, the days are shorter, yes. So technically there's less sunlight every day, yes. But it's because the, the axis of the earth is tilted away from the sun. Like we are away from the sun's presence even during the daytime. And so that coldness we feel is the absence of the sun. So like that is just the coldness of space. And, and think, we're still getting a lot of direct radiation from the sun. It's funny like you know earth's elliptical orbit during our winter time in the northern hemisphere where we live in north america um we are actually closest to the sun during the winter time but because of the axis and the tilt of the axis uh, we're actually tilted away from it so even though we're closer we're not getting that much direct sunlight so either way it's it's cold and so that coldness that we feel in the winter is the coldness of outer space. Like if if you were to get on a spaceship and, and you know, get on a spaceship, go to Mars, and you were just to hop out of your, your space, your spaceship, your space shuttle, whatever you want to call it, you, you hop out of that thing and you're not in direct sunlight. It is the coldness that we feel in the winter, but so much worse because there's no atmosphere. There's nothing holding in that heat. It is like unfathomably cold in the depths of space. And I got to thinking about that, and it's kind of weird and kind of funny. Like, I don't know why I thought that, but it just, like, clicked with me. Like, the coldness we feel here on Earth in the wintertime is the coldness of outer space. Like, that's so weird to think about that. Like, it may part of the reason I, th- I started thinking about this is because I listened to Dear Hank and John, their podcast. Um, and there's this ongoing joke there about humans going to Mars. That's something they talk about a lot. And I got to thinking about that. It's like, man, if we think it's cold here in January on Earth, like, imagine how cold it is on Mars. Imagine how cold it would be in what would be, like, summertime in Mars. Like, it's it's still unfathomable. There's no air to breathe. Like, it's it's so weird. And, like, I, I got to thinking about that. Like, you think about movies like WALL-E, where, where humans have left planet Earth, to go to another planet because we've destroyed ours. You know, like we we have polluted it to a degree. We can't live on it anymore. So we're going to go into outer space. And it's like, it's kind of like this, this escapism is people leaving, leaving earth. It's a form of escape. And I I got to thinking about this and it's like, no matter how bad things are on earth, the things that we're trying to run away from, you know, uh, like global warming, hate, you know, just all these things, like global warming, Over pollution, overpopulation, you know, all these things that humans could be trying to run from to get off this planet. The second you leave, you are in a place that humans are not made for. Like God made humans on planet Earth because this is a place that we are meant to live. Like this is designed for us. It is not too cold, we have air to breathe. All these things. It's not too hot, even. Like we, we are made to live on this planet. And no matter how bad things get here. Overpopulation, overpollution, global warming, all these things, you know, hate between nations, all these things, no matter how bad they get, this planet is still made for us. Like, going somewhere else is not better. It comes with its own problems. Like, we are not made for the coldness of outer space. You know, we're made for Earth, and so we should take, you know, obviously, so we should take care of the planet. Like, that's kind of another message behind the movie Wally. But that's kind of comforting in in its own weird way for me to think that, you know, no matter what life is like here on Earth, the coldness of winter reminds me that we are not made to live anywhere else. That no matter how bad it gets, Earth is our home. This is where we live. And that's kind of beautiful in its own way. I don't know. I got to thinking about that. Maybe you can think about it and get existentially freaked out or existentially comforted. I don't know. One way or another, it was one of my cool thoughts this past week. And I thought I should share it. Sarah tells me I talk too much about the movies and that I should, you know, shorten the movie part and talk more about other stuff. So that's some of my other stuff. That's some that's some real stuff. That's some the good stuff. I'm sharing the real deep thoughts. So that's it. That's all I got this week. So check out The Tragedy of Macbeth. If you don't want to spend money on a movie ticket, because COVID's, you know, tearing tearing things apart again, sit at home on your couch and watch The Throne of Blood or Macbeth from 2015. They're great films. I'd love to hear your thoughts on them. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts just in general. I got to thinking it's probably less fun for you guys to listen to me talk about a movie you don't know about until the podcast comes out. So maybe I should give you more of a warning like, hey, this is what I'm going to talk about. So you have time to watch it prior to the podcast. I think that's probably a better idea. But I'm kind of also flying by the seat of my pants by which movies I pick. So maybe I should also be more intentional and like plan ahead and then plan to watch it. We'll figure this out. This is, you know, it's week two. So we'll figure it out together. Give me some feedback if you got it. I'd love to hear it. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That'd be kind of cool. I don't have a review. I have ratings, but no reviews. So do that. Uh, Check me out on Letterboxd. My username is J underscore Arthur two zero. I'd love to see what movies you watch. And I have reviews of all the things I watch. Check me out there. That'd be fun. Um, and you know what? Have a good week. It's Monday. Let's make the most of our week. Let's have a good time. Stay warm, stay safe. And until next week, all hail Macbeth who will be King thereafter.